Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Defense, that's the best piece of advice you can ever give any family or client that you represent in a case like this. And real quick, you agree with me that the reason that there's not going to be a plea deal here is because prosecutors won't offer it, right? Yeah, he's facing three consecutive life sentences for three different murders. Even if they offered him one, he wouldn't take it. What lawyer would let his client ever take a life sentence when they have 10 years of discovery to get through and could attempt as best as they could to jam the case up, appeal it, give him some semblance of an opportunity to get out? Well, I don't think that. We'll see. Anyway, Robert Schalk, thank you. Ashley Banfield starts now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Banfield. I'm Brian Enton in for Ashley this week. Before we begin, there is breaking news out of Washington tonight. Former President Donald Trump is facing his third criminal indictment since he launched his bid for the 2024 Republican nomination. A grand jury has returned four felony charges in connection with Trump's efforts to overthrow the 2020 election, including conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to disenfranchise voters and conspiring to obstruct an official proceeding. Of course, we will be keeping a very close eye on this. Uh, If we have any updates over the next hour, uh, we'll bring them to you right away. But tonight uh, we begin with a special report live from the Vatican. We heard claims right here on News Nation, first from UFO whistleblower David Grush, that officials of the Vatican, including the Pope himself, knew decades ago about crashed spacecraft, and even had been in communication with American authorities. That's right, the Catholic Church and UFOs. There's a lot to it. We've been looking into it, and we're going to have on, uh, more on that coming up in just a moment. Also tonight, major developments in the Long Island serial killer case. Gil Go Beach murder suspect Rex Hurman made his first court appearance since pleading not guilty two weeks ago. We learned there is a ton of evidence in the case, more than we even expected. We're going to take you live to the Suffolk County Courthouse for a full update uh, on what happened there today. And Hurman's wife has also broken her silence in a very big way. I'll tell you what she and the children have been doing since her husband's arrest and show you some jaw-dropping photos from inside the family home that she actually released. She has now released photos and a statement to the media. It happened today. Uh, We'll talk about it coming up. Plus, an update on whether Hurman is connected to another high-profile case. We've got famed forensic psychologist Kathleen Ramsland back on the program tonight. We'll ask her about that. We'll ask her about Hurman's childhood. She's got new information, and she will join me live uh, later on in the show. But first, we are headed live to the Vatican tonight, and this is the reason why. So much new information has come out since the historic UFO hearings last week in Washington, and really since we first broke a UFO whistleblower David Grush's story right here on News Nation. There has been so much for us to process and go over. We've been focused on a possible government uh, cover-up here in the United States. Uh, But there was also something very interesting that Grush claimed involving the Vatican. He says dictator Benito Mussolini's fascination with possible UAPs, UFOs, started as early as 1933, including this, a drawing of an internal memo from the Italian secret services. And Grush says even the Vatican shared important intelligence with the United States decades ago. I want you to listen to what Grush said in his exclusive interview with journalist Ross Coulthard uh, here on News Nation about this. You say it's a 90-year cover-up. Just about, yeah. 90 years. 1933 was the first recovery in Europe, in uh, 
Magenta Italy. Italian government moved it to a secure uh, air base in Italy for the, the rest of kind of the fascist regime until 1944, 1945. And, you know, the uh, Pope Pius XII back channeled that. So the Vatican um, was involved. Yeah, and told the Americans what the Italians had, and, and we ended up scooping it. So let me be very clear about this. You're saying that the Catholic Church, the Vatican, mm-hmm. they know about the existence of non-human intelligence on this planet. Certainly. So we have been digging into so many of the allegations that David Grush has made, uh, and we had to dig into this too. We had to look into it. It's a wild allegation. Again, I get it. Catholic Church and UFOs. We've been trying to get reaction from the Vatican. We've been Vatican. We've been working behind the scenes uh, and joining me live. Steps from the Vatican right now is News Nation executive producer Susanna Pinto. Uh, she was previously a Rome-based reporter who has also worked in the Vatican press office. Thank you for uh, for being on with us tonight, Susie. I've got to ask you. You've been working on this for quite some time. You're in Rome. Um, what have you been able to learn? from Vatican officials about what David Grush uh, had claimed to us in that interview. Good evening, Brian. You can see St. Peter's Basilica behind me, perhaps the most iconic and powerful symbol of the Catholic Church around the world. And yes, as you said, this is a shocking claim. The fact that the, the allegation that the Vatican might have known about non-human intelligence on Earth. So I've reached out to the Vatican press office for comment. The Vatican has not responded. Now, that's not unusual. This is a highly controversial issue, and it's not unusual for the Vatican to to uh, to, to not want to comment on, on such a controversy. Um, also, though, if there were credible information about life on another planet, life in another part of the universe, uh, it would also bring up a lot of theological questions and a lot of debate. And so it's it's not surprising that the Vatican doesn't want to speculate on this issue right now. I know you've been trying for at least uh, the last week or so to get a response from the Vatican. Do you expect that something will come out eventually or are they just saying like no comment? We are never going to talk about this. Well, look, uh, we do know that the archives pertaining to Pope Pius XII's pontificate were open, have been open to scholars and historians. That happened in 2020. Pope Francis d- announced that he was going to open up the archives to uh, to historians and scholars. So um, that they have been looking into his pontificate. And of course, it was a long pontificate. He was pope from 1939 to 1958. So far, we there have been... A a couple of books that have come out from historians. Uh, they focus more on the Pope and, and World War II, but it, who's, it, that's not to say that a, a historian or a scholar could continue to dig into those archives and find something. So we'll just have to wait and see uh, what, what comes out. And, and that could take a long time because, like, as I said, it was a long pontificate and there's uh, uh, each, every Pope um, communi- communicates with a lot of people. There's a lot of official um, communication with not only heads of states and presidents, but also different um, associations and parishes. So it'll take quite some time to go through all of that information. Yeah, it's interesting that they are just now releasing within the last couple of years Pope Pius the Twelfth's. Uh, official archive. I just think back to like a presidential archive, a presidential library where they have all the documents. Uh, those are usually only documents for eight years. Uh, Pope Pius Twelfth was there for 20 years. Uh, and you mentioned it, the people who have been reviewing the archive so far, and only certain people have been let in, were more interested in other topics related to World War II. It, it just seems like a lot to go through. I wonder if anyone has even gone through everything to see if there is something in writing related to, uh, to UAPs from that time period. Brian, I'm sure there's a long line of historians and scholars who want to get into those archives and actually dig through. So, um, you know, I think this is something that is going to play out over years and, and maybe even decades. Uh, you know, so far we haven't heard that type of information come out and there's been no information published about that. Um, so we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see what, what comes out. This, we're talking about so much content from a pontificate, whether those are official letters, um, communications, all sorts of, uh, of, you know, things that a pope does just, you know, and of course that was uh, many years ago, but still the pope is a figure that communicates with the, not only Catholics, but the world. So there's just a ton of information to go through. 
It's interesting, though. I mean, the idea that the Vatican might know something related to this isn't really that far-fetched. I don't think a lot of people realize that they have a whole unit of the Vatican uh, dedicated to studying astronomy. That's right. The Vatican has a Vatican observatory that dates back to the 16th century. So for the last 400 years, that observatory has been dedicated to studying astronomy, astrophysics, and really just the origins origins of the universe. Um, So it's something that not a lot of people know about. They... it um, is dedicated to sort of the the connection between faith and reason. So the Vatican says that uh, that um, their faith inspires the science that they're going that they're studying, and and yeah. So that that um, observatory is outside Rome, just not too far from here, near the papal summer residence, and uh, they are very active and they do all sorts of things. They in fact just this summer they they resumed their summer school for. Uh, scholars and also students, undergraduates and graduate students who come to the Vatican Observatory uh, for four weeks and they discuss all these sorts of things, all the latest in astronomy and astrophysics. And that resumed after um, a five-year hiatus. They had to take a break during COVID. So they're very active and, uh, you know, they're very interested now. I've been in touch with the director of the Vatican Observatory. Uh, He said that since they don't specifically study UAPs or UFOs, He's not going to comment. It's also um, an issue that in the past, the Vatican Observatory, when they have commented and made a statement, um, they feel like their comments are taken out of context. So right now, they don't want to comment. Um, but they, of course, are very interested in the, in the scientific origins of the universe, and they continue to do that research. I think it's interesting, Susie, that, that no one will comment from the Vatican itself or from uh, the Astronomy Center, which we've been looking at video of right now, which is really interesting. Again, I didn't fully realize that they that they did all of that. Um, when you think back to the time frame Grush is alleging the Pope was communicating with Americans about the crash craft, and again, that's what Grush is specifically alleging um, in, in his report to us, was that, that the Pope specifically told America about a crash craft in Italy. Uh, when you think back to that time period, 1930s, what were, and, and here's a, a letter there, what were relations like during that time between the Vatican and the U.S. and U.S. intelligence? I mean, does it seem out of the ordinary that that would happen? Brian, that's a great question. So at that time, the Vatican and the United States did not have diplomatic relations. Diplomatic relations were established only in 1984 under Pope, uh, I'm sorry, President Ronald Reagan. So at the time, there were no, there was no official relationship between the Vatican and the United States. But experts that I've spoken to have told me that it's not out of the realm of possibility for um, Pope Pius XII or any pope uh, to have shared intelligence with the United States, especially when it comes to or when it came to an issue that would affect people and that had um, you know, had an impact on the common good. So it, it is possible that, the, that Pope Pius XII could have shared information, even though the two states did not have diplomatic relations at the time. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of all this. I'm glad that we're asking the questions. I think part of our coverage on this whole issue is just applying pressure, staying on it. Uh, and as, as you know, you mentioned, the historians now really f- for the first time just in the last couple of years going through those massive amounts of documents, uh, we will see what comes out of this. Uh, Susie Pinto, thank you so much for uh, pr- providing that perspective on all this. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I want to bring in Ross Colthart now. He's the investigative journalist uh, whose News Nation interview with whistleblower David Grush was the impetus for the congressional hearing. Uh, Ross, thanks for being with us as always. First of all, what do you make of the fact that uh, that we've been trying, that Susie's been trying to get a comment from the Vatican, and, and it seems like they're just flat out not going to comment? It's a very difficult situation. Uh, firstly, good evening, Brian, of course, but I'd, I'd say it's a very difficult situation for the Vatican because if Mr. Grush is telling the truth, and um, I'm told he is, uh, it's a difficult thing for the Vatican to admit without the US uh, concurring. 
Um, just to respond to one question you were saying earlier, uh, raising earlier, I'm told the Vatican does have a very efficient intelligence service, and it's long collaborated with intelligence services like the CIA, providing useful intelligence. Uh, and, and especially in the wake of the uh, the Second World War, there was a, a great collaboration between the Vatican and um, the CIA's anti-communist efforts in Italy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a long history, frankly, of backdoor communications, even though there was no diplomatic relations until 84. There's absolutely no doubt that people from US intelligence, very senior people indeed, were in the Vatican and indeed in Italy uh, extensively at the end of World War II. And the Vatican has clearly kept secrets before, Ross. I mean, Susie mentioned that they're now opening up the documents. There's going to be a lot to go through. But I mean, who is to say some of those documents didn't get pulled out? Well, it's funny. I've, I've talked to a friend of mine, Professor Diana Walsh-Pasalka, who wrote a great book called American Cosmic. And she was one of the few academics who's been given privileged access to the secret Vatican archives. And the way she describes it, it's quite extraordinary getting access. There's a whole process you have to go through to become sufficiently credentialed to be able to gain access. And even then, obviously, it's as you say, it's at the discretion of the people who run the archive what you get to see. There are, just to give you an idea of the scale, the archive runs underground under the Vatican. And Diana's written that there are 53 miles of shelving. That's how much they have in the Vatican archive. Wow, that, that is hard to even like think about someone having time to go through all that, especially, again, if, if the historians were going in looking for other archives related to World War II, they may have not even been looking for this stuff. Maybe that'll change now. You know, since we've started covering this, science and religion, UFOs and religion, I mean, it's, it's a tough topic for some folks who have a strong faith uh, to sort of to go there. Look, 390 years ago, it was the Vatican that tried Galileo as a heretic for arguing that the uh, the Earth wasn't at the centre of the universe. And in nearly 400 years, I have to say, the Vatican has actually shown quite creditable uh, openness to science. And in fact, they've, hold, they've held two conferences on the possibility of extraterrestrial life, one in 2005 and another in 2009. And uh, back in 2000, 2009, uh, Father um, Reverend Joseph Gabriel Funes, who was the head then of the Vatican Observatory, he actually said that um, uh, believing that the universe may host aliens, even intelligent ones, does not contradict a faith in God. We are all God's children. How can we rule out that life may have developed elsewhere, he said. Just as there is a multitude of creatures on Earth, there could be other beings, even intelligent ones, created by God. This does not contradict our faith because we cannot put limits on God's creative freedom. And everything I've read about the Vatican suggests that a lot of the work they're doing at the moment is trying to demonstrate that there is no incompatibility between yeah. religious beliefs and good science. And in fact, they've also held a conference on evolution, the theory of evolution, and actually excluded the proponents of creative design. But there are factions in the Vatican that push the idea that there is a, a, a creative design and that uh, evolution theory is wrong. But I would have to say the Vatican's shown an enormous open-minded to science. And I, I just wonder, I can only speculate whether it's driven by information that it does possess, as Mr. Grush suggests. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up that 2009 to uh, 2007 time pre pre period there because I was looking today to see what the Vatican has said in the past about this issue, and they really haven't said much since then. Um, there was a Jesuit father, Jose Funes, um, who said at the time that alien life extra, ex could be extra, actually uh, extraterrestrial brothers and part of God's creation, which is interesting. They're sort of combining it, not denying the existence that perhaps there is extraterrestrial life. I got to ask you this, though, Ross. We're talking about the Vatican tonight. We talked about um, Russia over the weekend in George Knapp's letter saying that Russia has this UFO program. We've talked about Italy having a program. Do you think there's going to be more information coming out of these other places besides America? What are you hearing from your sources um, in other countries? Oh, boy, uh, that's a very good question, Brian. I don't know if it's going to be in the in the short term, but I do know that countries like France, 
and the UK. And uh, there's, there's, there's also a possibility that I think eventually Russia might be more forthcoming about what it knows. During the course of the research of my book, I spoke to people in Russia, people from the former, former Soviet military who'd witnessed incidents during the Cold War. And uh, there was a, and probably the largest ever UFO UAP study that's ever been done was done by the Soviets during the Cold War. It was a 10-year study and it, um, it uncovered a formidable number of unexplained incidents. And there's no doubt at all that there are archives because some of them were declassified from Russia. And my colleague George Knapp brought some of them back to America and provided them to uh, investigators here in America. But yeah. the, the simple fact is that... Um, I think it's going to take a long while for those to come out. I think most of the other countries in the world that have this information, and I've spoken to people who told me that they do have it, are waiting for the lead from America. Yeah, I think yeah, what, what, that makes sense. what's going to drive this is for the next few months, I think, is the White House. Yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out here. Obviously, the, the ball has definitely started, uh, started rolling. Ross, thanks so much for being with us again tonight. Uh, we'll see you soon. Pleasure. Okay, we have to take a very, very quick break, uh, but don't go anywhere. We have a lot of new information to share with you, switching gears here to the Long Island serial killer case that we have been covering so closely. Rex Hurman uh, in court today. There's the picture right there. It's our newest image of him. He looks a little different. Our News Nation correspondent, Sloan Glass, she is at the courthouse with a live update for us coming up right after the break. And there is new information about Hurman's family directly from his wife. She's now releasing a statement. She's releasing photos herself from inside the house. We're going to show them to you coming up. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Kind of like choosing Derek Jeter as the pinch hitter for your baseball team. Jeter, you're in. We need a home run. I'll give it a try. I've swung a bat once or twice. That's out of here. Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Victor deployed for the first time to Afghanistan in 2003. At four in the morning, my phone rang. They said, I regret to inform you that your husband was wounded in action. Victor sustained a moderate traumatic brain injury. I was doing school full-time, and I was also then caring for Victor. One of the most important elements of caregiving is taking care of yourself. I just didn't want to forget that I also had goals and that I also had a life. What I did is I challenged Victor to meet me halfway. There are almost six million military and veteran caregivers across the nation. We have our own journey, and we can fulfill that journey at the same time that we are helping our loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving for a free military veteran's guide to navigate your caregiving journey and better care for your loved one and yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Babes, what are you doing? What? I'm just mowing the lawn. No, it's blazing hot and dry out here. Don't you remember? Smokey Bear says... Avoid using power equipment when it's windy or dry. Where'd you learn this? Oh, it's on... SmokeyBear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips. Right. Thanks, honey bear. Because remember, only you can prevent wildfires. Brought to you by the USDA Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Thank you for listening to News Nation, America's source for engaging and unbiased news. I'm a wife and the mother of two kids. And when I get to work in the precinct house and put on my uniform... I can tell you, as a police officer, we're building partnerships. This should be happening everywhere, so the police should be reaching out to this community. And this community should reach out to the police. That's the way to make this a safer place. Start the conversation and help stop crime. To learn the five things you can do, go to ncpc.org slash preventviolentcrime. A message from the National Crime Prevention Council and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. I thought it was a rash, but my doctor said it was a tick bite. 
Ticks can spread Lyme disease and other illnesses leading to chronic health issues. My brother was always having asthma flare-ups. A roach problem at home was causing it. Allergens left behind by roaches and rodents are a major driver of asthma attacks. When I had a fever and body aches, I never thought it was West Nile virus. Mosquitoes breed in standing water and can spread serious diseases. Get the facts at PestWorld.org. A public service message brought to you by the National Pest Management Association. Ashley Banfield and Chris Cuomo on America's fastest-growing cable news network, News Nation. The viewer seems to have been lost in the shuffle of cable news lately. They don't want a team sport. They want the full picture. The appetite is greater than it has ever been for perspective, for understanding, and for information that they can not just trust, but use. See why more people are turning to News Nation, news for all America. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. This back-to-school season, Downy and Tide are giving back with $1.5 million in scholarships. Enter to win. No purchase necessary. US and DC, 16 or older, and September 30th. Rules at downy.com slash scholarship slash official rules. Welcome back. You know, we haven't seen Rex Herman since right after his arrest. And there was just something, I got to say it like creepy, about seeing him today uh, at the courthouse. They didn't allow video cameras, but they had these still photos of Rex Herman in court. You see him there. Uh, and, and, and he glanced up for a second at the media. He looked right at the media there uh, and looked at the crowd um, and there was just seeing him and, and thinking about the fact that he's been connected to the three deaths so far and could be responsible for so many more. I mean, it was just very, very strange to see him today. Uh, this was the first court appearance for, for Rex since he pleaded not guilty two weeks ago. Our News Nation correspondent Sloan Glass is at the Suffolk County Courthouse to tell us exactly what happened uh, in court. Um, Sloan, no video cameras uh, were allowed. Um, and it was just it, w- it was very, very interesting. Um, what, what, I mean, what was it like to see him? Well, in person, Brian, Hurman is enormous. He looms over everyone. He's 6'4". And then there's been so much talk about the Gilgo Beach victims and how they all had similar features. These were petite women. And to see Hurman in person, just how large he is, it, it makes those allegations even more haunting. Yeah, I want to share some new information um, about the case, Sloan. This didn't come from prosecutors or law enforcement. This came from Rex Hurman's wife. Um, she told the New York Post uh, that the investigation of her husband and the search of their home um, has had really a, a devastating effect on the family. Um, she said that her children were, were treated inhumanely, leaving the house almost unlivable. Um, and this is what she said. I woke up in the middle of the night shivering. We did get another chair out from the basement and upstairs so me and my son can sit and talk. He's so distraught and doesn't understand. And as a mother, I have no answers for him. My children cry themselves to sleep. I mean, they're not children. They're grown adults, but they're my children. And my son has developmental disabilities, and he cried himself to sleep. And I want to show these pictures, Sloan. These are pictures obtained by the New York Post that Hurman's wife actually released herself which I find so interesting. You can see boxes, debris piled up everywhere. Uh, There's a large portion of the bathtub missing. Obviously, they cut right into that bathtub looking for evidence. Uh, I want to point out, we don't really know what the house looked like before the search, because remember, two weeks ago, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison said Hurman had been a pack rat. So perhaps the house kind of looked like a hoarder house before, but Still very interesting that she released those pictures, Sloan, and that she gave that statement and released the photos on the same day um, that her husband was in court. Right, Brian. I mean, this is a family that has been broken by this news. And then you have to remember, they find out that their husband, the father, has been arrested on these awful charges. And then the very next day, investigators are in your home for two weeks you have to leave your house. And now Asa Ellerop, the estranged wife, comes home and is saying that her house was allegedly left in shambles, torn apart. She said that she didn't even have a bed left to sleep in. I spoke with the attorney representing the Hurman children, and he told me that before all of this, their family had been relatively intact. 
um, it seems like a lot of evidence, too, that, that they are going over. I mean, they talked about this enormous amount of evidence, which makes me think that this is going to be such a long court process because they can delay and delay and delay because they've got to go through it all. But tell me about that. I mean, did they give any details of exactly what they were able to take from the House? Did, they, did that come up in court? Yeah, D.A. Tierney, who is the lead prosecutor in this case, said that there's a massive amount of evidence and it will continue to roll in, as you pointed out. He handed over hard drives with 2,500 pages of documents, photos, videos from the initial investigation where police were taking out the remains from Gilgo Beach. This is a 13-year investigation, so there's so much to go through. They also had surveillance video as well as autopsy reports. I was listening to the press conference. You asked Hureman's defense attorney something interesting when it came to this alleged history of Hureman and child pornography. Uh, Explain that, that angle of this. Right. So prosecutors have alleged that Hureman had thousands of searches for child sexual abuse material on his phone. And I asked uh, his attorney what he had to say about that, how he explained it. He had an evasive and bizarre response. And when I pushed him on it, he said that he has not seen this evidence, but we've seen this evidence from the bail application. So it was a quite confusing response. Do you believe everything the government says? I don't. So I I understand that the government has told you certain things. I don't believe everything the government says. So I'm going to wait until I get the evidence. I'm going to look at the evidence. We're going to examine the evidence and we're going to move forward from there. Yeah, Brian, you can see that uh, not only does he not answer the question, but he almost brings up a conspiracy theory surrounding those accusations from the prosecutor and saying that he has not seen the evidence. Well, we know everything that he knows. Presumably he has read Mm. the bail application. Yeah, interesting. Um, And, you know, he's he's pleading not guilty at this point. Uh, I saw on on Chris Cuomo's show uh, before this, they had on the lawyers for the family for his wife and kids who were saying, you know, they still haven't visited him in jail up until this point. And, and Chris tried to push, well, are they going to visit? And they basically said, look, they're still evaluating the situation. So I, I just can't imagine what's going on behind the scenes with this family. And again, to see the photos from inside their house, still so much to learn here. Uh, Sloan Glass, great work out there. Um, thanks, for, thanks for being here tonight. Okay, still to come tonight, uh, the making of an alleged serial murderer. What kind of kid was Rex Hureman? What kind of student? Well, now his former classmates, they're speaking out with details, uh, some strange warning signs that some of them say they noticed. We're going to talk about that coming up next. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap, and the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. AM radio provides always-on news, sports, talk, traffic, and weather reports. And it's also a vital service that provides important emergency information when your community needs it most. Tell Congress you need AM radio to stay in your car. Because when cell phones and the Internet are down, this free emergency service is critical. And when you don't have electricity, radio in the car is often your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name. But more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Gain Flings with 50% more freshness ingredients versus leading bargain detergent. What if one day you went to your secret hiding place and instead of what you came for, you found a phone number, 1-800-662-HELP? What would you do? Would you stop and give it some thought? Before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help. 
you can quit. For help with drug use, call 1-800-662-HELP for free and confidential information and treatment referral, or go to samhsa.gov slash know the risks. My name is Michael Houston, Navy veteran and VFW post service officer. I'm encouraging all United States military veterans and active duty members to take advantage of the many benefits and privileges you've earned by serving our great country. Please reach out to a veteran service officer or your local VFW. You served your country. Now let your country serve you. For more information, call 800-827-1000 or visit benefits.gov. You're listening to Banfield on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. For many kids living in poverty, summer isn't fair. It can mean isolation, hunger, and falling behind. Help us make summer fair at savethechildren.org/fair. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework, but I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please don't be a multitasker. Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Day one, the hardest day. The day you hear. This is a type of blood cancer. But day one is just one day. At the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, we are here to help you move past day one. On day 45, I discovered an online community who shared great tips for in-treatment care. I missed a lot of school during treatment, and LLS helped me keep up. To learn more and get help on day two, day 28, or any day, please visit LLS.org or call 1-800-955-4572. Have you ever wanted to go above and beyond for your community? Volunteering for your local fire or EMS department is your opportunity. Join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. As a volunteer, you will meet new people, learn new skills, and make a meaningful impact. Learn more at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. Rex Sherman's arrest and indictment in the Gilgo Beach murders reportedly comes as a great surprise to some of his former high school classmates. But for others, uh, they say it's not much of a surprise at all. Sherman is smiling in his 1983 Burner high school yearbook photo. But one classmate tells the New York Times that he got picked on so much that he started fighting back and developed what they called a mean streak. He also grew larger and grew more menacing. He's a big guy. Another classmate says he was the type of guy, if he snapped, he could really hurt you. Others who remember him say that he was a loner, a recluse. They called him very quiet, awkward, and everybody's punching bag. And that overall, he opted out of a social life and he didn't want any part of anything. They also say it was well known that Hurman's father, Ted, an aerospace engineer, was tough on Rex for supposedly not being a go-getter and that once Rex acted out and actually got caught shoplifting. The father died when Rex was 12, leaving his mom to raise five kids in that same little rundown house uh, that he would later live in with his wife and kids. It's interesting, he actually grew up in that house. Uh, I want to bring in Catherine Ramsland. She is uh, a serial killer expert. She knows serial killers like no one else. She's a professor of forensic psychology and author of the book, uh, How to Catch a Killer. Dr. Ramsland, thank you for being with us. First of all, I want to bring up something interesting. We talked many nights about the possible connection between Ramsland and the um, Atlantic City murders thought perhaps that was a possibility. You were the first one, Dr. Ramsland, who said, I don't think that's the case. Well, we got confirmation now from police and investigators that they don't believe um, there's actually a connection there. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't make much sense that a person would put four bodies in a very close proximity to each other and be an outsider, somebody who just comes into town randomly. I think it has to be somebody who knows that nobody has discovered the first and the second and the third body. Uh, so that would suggest a local. Yeah, apparently at this point, they've come to the conclusion, no connection there. So that that's interesting. I want to talk about Hureman being bullied, though, this new information from, from his classmates. You know, 
Whenever something like this happens, we always seem to hear that the person was bullied. But I mean, a lot of us were bullied. A lot of people were badly bullied. It, it just seems weird to always make that connection to me because, you know, most people who are bullied don't like turn out to be serial killers. It all depends on the way the person is processing what is happening to him or her, how they perceive it, what their own temperament is. And if they are feeling powerless, the way bullying does make you feel, they might be looking for ways to restore their power to feel better about themselves. So it really is going to be a very personal thing, the way they process what's happening, and especially somebody who is fairly large, who is who does loom over others, who's trying to be part of whatever is going on, want to be a part of groups, want to have friends, and every effort he makes is met with failure, so more powerlessness, he's probably going to have fantasies of how can he restore his power, how can he make people pay for Mm. what they're doing to him. Do you find with other serial killers that you've studied, are they mostly bullied and kind of recluses as young people or are some of them like popular? I mean, is there sort of one way it normally goes? There's a range. Um, but there is is this sense of they didn't fit in or they are angry about something or they want uh, some kind of payback in some cases. So it really kind of depends on what's motivating them to strike out as a serial killer. I wouldn't say it's a common thing, but it's certainly part of some people's development. Yeah, the way that he that he was described as everybody's punching bag. Uh, what what does that tell you specifically? Well, if that's if that's the way they saw him, he probably knew that was the way they saw him. They would pick on him. They would uh, humiliate him, and humiliation does have a pretty strong role in the development of a lot of serial killers. Whether it's coming from parents from other people, from job loss, whatever it is, humiliation can be a real sore point for some people and they will develop payback fantasies. What did you think, Dr. Ramsland, of these new photos of him today? We've, um, I'm sure you've seen them by now. We can probably put them back on the screen because we hadn't seen him since the arrest. It, it looked like he lost weight to me, um, but I, I don't know why. The, there was something striking to me about those photos in court. Did anything stand out to you? Uh, I just say very quiet. Um, I know there's been some talk that uh, he had asked about, is this going to be on the news? And that some people took that to mean it was a very narcissistic comment. But I'm I'm really thinking he's concerned about what this is doing to his family, to clients, to his reputation. Uh, I, I think he really is trying to stay as low key as he can. And the fact that the lawyer came out after had the press conference said, I mean, he's innocent until presumed guilty, obviously, um, presumed innocent, you know, um, the fact that the lawyer came out and said, uh, you know, that, that he's still fighting this. I mean, does that surprise you? I know in different situations with, with people accused of these things, they'll start to confess. Like, do you get a feel on how this will go? It doesn't surprise me, but it does tell me he isn't looking for serial killer fame. I think he is trying to fight it. Um, I I don't know if he thinks, I'm sure he thinks he can win if he's resisting it. Doesn't surprise me. I, he's not the only one to do that. Who to, And even some, some people who've been convicted still claim to be innocent. And what about the troubled relationship with his dad? That's also something that's come up through these interviews with people he went to school with. It, it, does that strike you as it could perhaps have led to something? I mean, again, it's like a lot of people have troubled relationships with their dad, though. I, I hate to lean in on these things too much because it's like that's like half of everybody. But I guess it could it could mean something here. Well, for a boy, you want to impress your dad. You want to have your dad approve of you and and feel good about you. And, and when he's striking out at school every which way and he's also striking out with uh, a parental figure who's probably very important to him again it makes him feel insecure like he just doesn't belong he's a misfit he he doesn't have any power Um, that would be very difficult probably for him to process and it would have an impact on how he develops himself into an adult and the kind of person he's going to be and how he's going to deal with other people Interesting. Makes sense. Uh, Dr. Ramsland, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We, we always appreciate you, uh, you staying up late with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 
Okay, Rex Kuerman has a whole different air about him since police arrested him. You saw those photos. He's now charged uh, with three first-degree murders. The man who stood before a judge today on Long Island wore none of the smiles or the confidence or the self-assuredness that we've seen before. We saw that video. Remember, there was that, uh, that documentary done on him years ago. Looks like a very, very different man. What is the difference, though? What would a body language expert say about these? We're going to have one on coming up right after the break. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Since Rex Hurman's arrest on suspicions that he murdered and buried at least three young women on a stretch of beach near his home, our exposure to the Long Island architect has been rather limited. We have not seen him very much, but we now have uh, that familiar interview where he talks himself up as a guy who uh, was always taking the call, knew everybody in New York. You remember that interview. Um, very, very interesting. When a specialist is needed, he said he was there. And he, we've got, we've all seen the corporate photos of Rex Hurman, uh, the proud business owner. There's the photo there. The man we saw today, though, looked completely different. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about with Scott Rouse. He is a criminal behavior analyst and body language expert. Thanks for being with us again, Scott. You know, again, when I first saw the photos today from court, I, I was just like, sort of just creeped out thinking about what he's accused of, still thinking that he just looks like this normal guy that, that could be any, a neighbor on anybody's street. I'm curious, like, what stood out to you with the new photos today? Everything looks as it should in those photos. He doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look too worried. He looks concerned. It's a version of concern, in other words, in that expression. We don't see any grief. We don't see any anger. He just looks concerned about what's happening. So when it comes down the line of, as a lot of people are going to say, oh, he's a psychopath or a sociopath, you really can't tell uh, at, this, at this point what you're dealing with without the, uh, the proper studies and information with him or, or on him. Yeah, it's so interesting. There, not- it's interesting you say concerned. That's also what Dr. Ramsland said. Um, she, mm-hmm. she said, you know, it looked like he was probably, you know, possibly thinking about his family, his job, what are his clients thinking? I mean, there, there's, he should be concerned. I mean, there's definitely a look of concern yeah. on, on his face. I want to play some of that interview, though, um, that, uh, that he did before all of this when he was, you know, working in New York City and he was part of this documentary. Uh, and then we can talk about it on the other side, sort of the differences. Okay. I do troubleshooting, architectural troubleshooting, and negotiations with the building department. Okay. What I mean by that is, do we do the standard stuff with the building department, um, handle your filings? When a job <laughs> that should have been routine suddenly yeah. becomes not routine, Yeah. I get the phone call. I have probably heard that 10 times now, <laughs> Scott, and every time I hear it, I still... Like, I just, there's something so weird about hearing this guy's voice to me, especially, again, knowing what he is accused of. And now, looking at him in the video versus him now in court, um, it, 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 he, he does look very different to me. Yeah, everything is, in this case as well, as it should be. He's, as far as malignant narcissists go, this is the nirvana for, for them, because He's being asked about himself and what he does, and they love attention. They want all the attention. They want their ego needs that that boost to make them feel good to get that little buzz they need. And here, everything looks the way it should look. He's using big illustrators. He's using his hands, excuse me, and and his arms. His heads move around a lot. A lot of torso movement. He's relaxed because he's in a great position. He's the one getting asked about himself. What do you do? Tell me about you. It's perfect for that that personality type. It's hard to imagine that versus now. Um, you can see the difference in his body language if you go back to the photos from today in court. Um, also, it appeared to me that, I mean, maybe it's just the photos that he that he lost weight, which would make sense. Maybe the stress or just not able to eat as much in, in jail. But it is interesting, the comparison. He, like you said, he's got this big personality, sort of cocky um, in that in that video and compared to what yeah. he looked like in court today. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's going to be quite different. <clears throat> Excuse me when the when the uh, when the ego can't get what it needs in that personality type, which I wanted the impression he's a malignant narcissist from behavior I've seen. I watched that entire interview, and a, a lot of it is just uh, oh how wonderful you are. And the guy interviewing him is is laughing a little bit too much. I think he, maybe he's a little uncomfortable, not because he yeah. thinks something's wrong with this guy, but just because he's he's the alpha in the situation. He's brought him into his place. And he said, you know, yeah, ask me whatever you want to ask me. So, yeah, there, there, there's a big difference there. Yeah. And you, you don't get to he probably didn't get to eat a whole lot um, in his first 19 days. There probably had a lot more on his mind than than food. And probably in, in the old days, which, though, he'll refer to him as um, he probably ate all the time. Looked like he did anyway. Like yeah. he'd, he, he was, you know, fairly relaxed back then. So he has so far only officially been connected to three of the victims. Um, Mm -hmm. Looks like he might get charged in a fourth, but so far only officially connected to three. You have a theory that he's going to be connected to even more women. Talk to me about that. What's what's your theory? Serial killers usually don't start in their 50s. They'll they'll start in their twenties or their their mid thirties, right in there. Rarely do you find them in their in their mid to late forties. When you get up a little bit past that, it's hard to find them when they're in in their fifties. There are some, obviously, but it's it's not uh, it's not common for a serial killer just to start in their fifties. There could be some kind of it could be a different situation where that could be a possibility. But personally, I would think they're going to find more than. Uh, j- just the ones that he's involved with now that they believe he's involved with now. I, I can't help but but think that that he's got a history of, of that going on. Yeah. And with the amount of evidence that we learned today in court that they took out of that house and that they have to go over. I mean, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more uh, about this guy. Scott Rouse, um, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, still to come tonight, new developments in a high profile stabbing death that made headlines all across the country. San Francisco police say Cash App founder Bob Lee was murdered by tech consultant Nima Momeni. But Momeni's lawyers have offered up a very different scenario involving a known drug dealer. Was it enough to get the murder case thrown out of court? We've got the judge's response. That's coming up next on Banfield. Welcome back. Nima Momeni will stand trial for the murder of Cash App founder Bob Lee. You remember, this was a big story and this is a big update. The judge uh, made the decision at a hearing. It was just a couple of hours ago. Momeni's lawyers had spent the better part of two days trying to distance him from that deadly stabbing. Apparently it didn't work. Saying Momeni and Lee were friendly in the hours leading up to the killing and casting doubt on that surveillance footage. They also tried to show uh, that the murder weapon was much more worn uh, than the other knives that were in that set. And they also even raised questions about a known drug dealer who had allegedly given a date rape drug to Momeni's sister. The judge did not buy it. This is what the judge said. I am satisfied that the crime charged murder did occur and that you are responsible for it. And therefore, I will hold you to answer at trial. The evidence, as I see it, is very strong. A date at this point uh, has not yet been set for Momeni's trial. Of course, we will continue to follow that, have any updates for you. But it's interesting. Uh, it is going to move forward. That decision was made by the judge again just a couple of hours ago. All right. We're working hard for a show tomorrow. Busy, uh, busy all night long working on tomorrow's show. We've got a few interesting things. You know, the Daytona Beach serial killer. They caught that guy, but they learned some very interesting things along the way. The guy who they caught was not the person uh, who they originally had the profile for. We're going to talk to the sheriff there in Daytona Beach tomorrow. He's got a warning for the officers investigating Rex Hurman, what he says they learned from that experience. That's on tomorrow night show. Also, Nikki Brass, the former call girl who went out with Rex Hurman, she's going to join me live, react to all the latest developments. She hasn't done an interview in a while. We've got that tomorrow night. Thanks for being with us tonight. Have a good night. Cuomo's coming up next.